Welcome to Fumpale Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altador, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self-love, and so much more. I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. With me, your virtual girlfriend. Welcome back to another episode of Fumpale Podcast. And today we have a special guest with us today for story time. And her name is Rosemary. Rosemary assists female entrepreneurs in taking their lives, their business, and their level of freedom and fulfillment to the highest level possible by going beyond the superficial and into the realm of the subconscious to reach and extract the part of them that is longing to merge into the world. Rosemary, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Good, good. So I'm going to pass you the mic to add on to what I said and let the listeners know who you are, what you do. Sure. So I am a freedom and fulfillment coach, and I help female entrepreneurs do kind of that deep work that, you know, talk about the shit that people don't want to talk about and go to those deeper places and really get that that freedom and fulfillment starting like that spark from within so that you can bring it out not only into your business, but into your relationships. You know, you're the common denominator in everything in your life. So when we work on those deeper levels of you, then everything you get to bring that to everything in your life because everything is an expression of you. Awesome. Awesome. So as we dive deep today, Rosemary's going to start off with her story. And go ahead, Rosemary. Okay. So um, I started out like most of us. You know, I went to school, and when I was done, I started working. I worked in the medical industry and the corporate world, and I hated it. I was in New York City. I'm getting up in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting dressed up. I'm getting on a subway. I'm doing the 9 to 5 thing. And I hate it, And I and I, but I stayed with it. And I stayed with it until the people I worked for really knew I hated it and they fired me. And out of desperation for money, I started topless dancing in strip clubs in New York City. And I got a taste of freedom that I, up until that point, did not know even existed in life. Um, Not only free, I was making tons of money. Yes, I was only working three nights a week, but you leave your shame at the door when you when you walk into a strip club. So there's no no shame. You're like you're in like the customers leave their shame at the door. You leave your shame at the door like it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And then my dad got cancer and. I remember the moment that it happened that I found out I was in my car on my way to the hospital on a phone call and I was told that it was cancer and something in me shut off. And, you know, when you're working at a strip club, that freedom comes with you're the life of the party, you're the entertainment, you you have to be in a certain place to make money. And I I stopped making money. I, I couldn't make money 
things started just falling apart for me. And I held it together to a certain degree. I wound up relocating and I had been gotten into yoga and spirituality and um, I got my yoga certification and I opened a yoga studio and I was working six days a week. And like the whole time I'm holding this like, I am determined to recreate this level of freedom, the whole thing, the the schedule, the money, the internal feelings, the whole thing. So I'm using that as my drive for like, I'll do anything, I'll sacrifice my right arm, I'll work six days a week, I'll bartend while I'm running a yoga studio, except, you know, you don't, you don't get there doing that. So eventually I burned out and I wound up with PTSD and I really, I hit, I pretty much hit rock bottom. And so I still tried to hold on. I started, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to move into coaching, which I was already starting to move into. I'm going to do that full time. I'm like homeless, living in someone's attic, borrowing money to take marketing courses and to learn about business. And none of it was working. I actually had a coach who refunded my money and said, I don't think this is going to work for you. You have too much fear. And at that point, I was faced with, I have to face myself. I have to face what's going on with me. And I started doing deeper work and really looking at like what's going on. You know, you leave the strip club and guess what shows back up? Your your shame, you know, mm-hmm. like I, my cl- my yoga students and my clients loved me. They were having great experiences with me, but I was I was falling apart. Like I was a mess on the inside. So... I went on this journey of really digging into, you know, it always goes back to childhood. And I went back to like, what's going on here? And where did this come from? And there was sexual abuse in my past and narcissism and emotional neglect and all of those types of things. And I I wound up digging deeper into that and really grasping um, what's out there and sort of wisps of like changing your subconscious mind and what does that mean and how do I access that? And it's incredible how when you when you find the courage to like say, you know what, I'm going to stop trying to move things around on the superficial level and I'm going to go deep into my vulnerability, how much shifts on the outside. <sighs> Interesting. So I got a few things I'm going to dive into here. Let's yeah. first talk about the dancing. How old were you? Now, I'm just going to I have the scenario in my head. So you finish high school. You're 18. Did you go to college? I did not. Okay. So you immediately stepped out into the work world. How old were you when you started dancing? I was um, about 24 or 25, a little bit late for even for that industry. And I did it for about six years. So it was a little bit late, but I had the fact that I looked really young, like customers would ask my age. And I, you know, I remember being like, oh, 27 when I was 27. And they'd be like, you're lying. And I'm like, why would I lie and say I'm older than I actually am? Like, why would I do that? (laughs) So I had that, I had that on my side. Um, I remember I quit, I, I left. Um, I was kind of told to leave because I owed the club m- club money at that point. Um, okay. It was two days before my 30th birthday. So it was St. Patrick's Day before my 30th birthday. When you stopped dancing. When I stopped. Okay. So now I need to ask you, out of all things in the world, why did you turn to that? Do you like dancing? What made you comfortable? And I do have to ask, were you 
intoxicated before you started dancing? Did you take drugs before you go in there to leave the shame at the door? Um, in the beginning, I mean, yeah, alcohol is flowing. I mean, you are, I was getting paid to party and luckily I, I never had an addiction problem. So, you know, most people are partying on the weekends. I worked Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights from 8 p.m. till 4 in the morning. It's like not having a job. Like, you're working while most people are sleeping. Yes. I, it was. This was in New York, in New York City, in Manhattan. And at the time, it was all Wall Street guys coming in who during the week who were paying to entertain their clients. So it wasn't it wasn't bachelor parties. It wasn't like it was like businessmen coming in who had like tens of thousands of dollars to throw around to entertain their clients because they're making millions. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, alcohol was flowing. Um, and that definitely was part of it. I was not doing drugs. Honestly, the Wall Street guys were doing way more drugs than the strippers were. Mm -hmm. Um so yes, that was part of it. But there was, like I said, I had sexual abuse in my childhood. And in New York in the clubs at that time, you were not allowed to touch the girls. You're you're in those barrel chairs and their hands are on the side of their chair and there's bouncers like every so many feet around the whole club. And if a guy touches you, even just puts his hand on your leg or your arm, you just give that eye to the bouncer and the bouncer comes over and says, excuse me, you're not allowed to touch the girls. Okay. All right. So, so it was that very was safe. Okay. Yes. So then that's good. So this club particularly, because I guess from every club operates differently. Every state operates club, differently too. Oh, okay. So there, when you say every state, there are some states, what does that mean? That allow touching and some states don't? Well, I don't know about the touch. Well, I know in Vegas, there's prostitution is legal so there's stuff going on oh. um in new york they have two laws around this um and they did this to clean up times square actually there were like a lot of little tiny really seedy places so there's one law that's the 4060 law at least this was at the time i don't i don't know i think this still stands but okay. um we're only 40% of the entire club was allowed to have adult entertainment. So all the strip clubs in New York have um, sushi restaurants or or steak restaurants or think that you can go up there with customers and eat, but you cannot take your clothes off. So that that's one. And the other one is you are not allowed to serve alcohol if the girls take their bottoms off. So, and I think clubs where the bottoms come off you can bring your own booze but I've never even been I don't even know if there are any clubs that are fully nude so you're wearing a thong and you're topless I see okay that's not this I'm is... in Boston now that's not how it is here here bottoms off booze flowing I never thought of this shit Rosemary <laughs> how each state has restrictions you're talking about the 40 60 rule and then you're talking about if your bottom is off no alcohol how the hell did you even keep... Okay, this is very interesting. I guess we're not going to go that deep into it because this would be like a whole damn class trying to figure out what each rule is for each state. But at your club, your clothes stayed on and you were dancing. 
That's pretty yes. much it. Am I understanding yeah. this correctly? Topless. I, I'd be just in a in you know stripper heels <laughs> and stripper heels. and a thong. And you like during the week at the club I worked at, you weren't even allowed to wear short dresses. We had ankle length dresses on during the like it was very classy. There were no poles. I take pole dancing classes now. I was never on a pole at a strip club. Oh, so you were just kind of on a stage, just dancing. That's it. Yep. There were some okay. ballerina poles, some things you could hold on to while you're gotcha. dancing, but no, nobody's swinging on a pole at the club I was at. Got it. Okay, very interesting. So now you worked Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. When you say money was good, give us an example. One to $5,000 a week? Um, More like... One one thousand a night was a bad night. It was usually twenty five hundred to five thousand a night. A night, a night. Get the fuck. This out was of here. the heyday. It's not like <laughs> nobody go run to be a stripper because it's not like that anymore. Even my pole dance teacher used to be a stripper too, and we we were talking about how much fun it was and how much freedom and and I and we were both talking about how it's not like it was like it was like the universe conspired for me to be in that atmosphere because if it wasn't that safe, if they were allowed to touch girls, if it was bottoms off, I wouldn't have been there. But when I found out that in New York. You keep your bottoms on and they can't touch the girls. And it was a safe place for me to go. And that's part of how I found my, well, thought I found, (laughs) we'll get Mm -hmm. to that, my freedom there was because I was safe. Like some people who experience sexual abuse become promiscuous and there's whatever, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, some people become a prude. I was Mm -hmm. more on the prude side. I was freaked out by sexuality. So Mm -hmm. this was a place I could go where I didn't have to follow through with actually having sex with anybody. No one was even, but I could get in touch with that sexual female force that was inside of me that had been trapped inside of me my entire life. So it was Mm -hmm. this incredible experience that I had. And when I left, I knew that I needed to, I needed, I, there's no, there's no going back to working nine to five after you have this experience. So I knew like I needed the freedom on all levels that that became a, draw, a major, major drive in my life, in my business, in what got me to where I am today was that experience of all of that. And like when you're in touch with that sexual energy within you, you manifest crazy, right? Crazy money, right? Like I'm making crazy, crazy money and money. I'm having fun and everything's easy. It's like I don't have a job. And that sexual energy is like if you think about creativity and creation in life like we can't even get here as human beings except through sex that is the creative energy that is the creative force so it was many years of of you know trauma and struggling and healing and we can get more into all of that but to finally get to a place where I understood how to take what I was experiencing there heal Mm -hmm. what I needed to heal and I've been referring to it as getting naked with your clothes on and actually living a life where you're living from that space without needing alcohol without needing to be on a stage without needing the power that comes with being the naked woman on the stage and guys are Mm -hmm. paying you and whatever This is interesting how you're speaking about this career in actual a positive light for you, because you do know, and I know you know, 
that a lot of times people have nothing positive to say about dancers or strippers, nothing positive. And, you know, the girls always get called sluts, hoes, and look at them. They have nothing going for them. Degraded. I mean, absolutely the lowest of the low. And it's a different, it's completely different for me to hear you say all this positive about when you were stripping, how it felt. I didn't, I mean, I knew you strippers made good money. But I didn't know it was that good. You were making literally, let's get my rusty math together. I'm just going to say on average, $7,000 a week, seven times four is $28,000 a month. So let's round it down. On average, Rosemary was making $20,000 a month and you were working three days a week. Mm -hmm. Partying, having fun. Pretty much. Yep. And we all know yep. those who are on Wall Street do have money. So yep. it it wasn't the homeless coming in to the club. Right. It, it was wasn't even the, money. the the 22-year-old I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Idiots who are at a bachelor party and like are doing all that stuff that you hear about strip clubs, right? That's why I worked during exactly. the week. Exactly. It was a totally different experience during the week and yeah, it was um and and even like the girls like it's I bartended after that. And I can tell you that I dealt with more sexual harassment as a female bartender than I, I never dealt with. No, I no I never I never had to reprimand someone for doing or saying something inappropriate in the strip club. And in in any way in the strip club, the customer is not always right when it comes to this stuff. It's the girl is always right. So if a guy mm. was inappropriate, you could tell him to F off. You were allowed to do that. When you're a bartender, you have to smile and take it. I see. So different type. Were you bartending at the same club? No, no. I bartended at some some bar bars in New York City. And then I kind of trickled down to like restaurants. You know, I started getting a little older and like, you know, you, you don't want to stay in that scene forever. So I started going more like restaurants. So you said you were kicked out because you owed the, a club money. What does that mean? When you said that immediately, what I thought is, is the club pimping her. But I also thought you ever heard of the bunny ranch when the girl, when that woman, I forgot what was her name at the bunny ranch, she was sitting there. And when the girls got their money, she had to count them. She took a portion and the girls took a portion. Is this what this means? No. Um, so when you I again, I don't know if I can only speak from my own experience. I don't know across gotcha. the, the states or whatever, but um, you are self-employed when you work at a club. So you're okay. technically renting the space space. So there's something called a house fee. So it, you would pay like $150 a night to work at the club. So if you weren't making money and you couldn't pay your house fee, that starts to add up. Then you owe them a house fee and owe them a house fee. So I wasn't making money because my trauma hit and I wasn't the life of the, I don't even know. My trauma hit. I, I wasn't the life of the part. It just wasn't happening anymore. And so it was multiple nights added on top of each other where I don't have my house fee. All right, pay us next time. I don't have my house fee again. All right, pay us both next time. All right. So I owed them money. Like they could feel that something was going on with me. I knew that I I had to leave, but it was like I was I was forced out. You know, you know, you're not going to stay in an industry like that forever. But yeah. I thought I'd get to make that choice at some point and decide like, OK, I have this money saved. I can do this with it. And it wasn't the bottom just fell out from under me. 
Gotcha. I see. And that's why in the beginning, you said things started changing my trauma hit and I guess all different type of triggers were hitting you. And you were not making this average $20,000 a month anymore. We're talking about towards the end, I'm assuming you were barely making next to nothing because the example you gave us of 150 a night for your rental fee, house fee, that's nothing. Right. When you're right. making money. And you did say $1,000 is a bad night. So you were right. really doing bad. Very bad. Yep. Yep. And okay. I wound up having to live off my savings. And my mm -hmm. dad had cancer and I helped my parents out. And, you know, I went mm -hmm. from being in a gigantic one bedroom apartment with three walk in closets, which is unheard of in New York, um, driving a brand new Audi TT to having to sell my car and having to move home with my mother. Interesting. So how long were you on that high from the 24? You said 24, 25. You started right before you turned 30. You left. How long were you on that high? It was like five or six years. Oh, almost the whole time. It really was, you would say, about the year before you left, things started to go downhill because your father Oh, yeah. Sick. It was it was it was within months. It happened like I like see. It, okay. it happened. And that was a part like my father getting cancer was tra traumatic and the loss of the job and the loss of my own stability was just as big of a trauma. And then, of course, childhood trauma was behind all of that. Now, let's talk about some real shit, Rosemary. Did you save some of that goddamn money? No, no. I wound I was homeless at one point. What would you do every month with the money? I saved it. But then when I when I when the ground fell out from under ah. me I had to live off that money and I gave my parents some money because my dad couldn't work he fought cancer for a year and so it dwindled and it dwindled and it dwindled and then I started bartending and even that like it's crazy how when when things are in an uproar and insane on the inside that that's mm -hmm. what you experience on the outside like I'd start yeah. working bartending at restaurants making great money and six months in all of a sudden the restaurant isn't busy and nobody's making money in there and I have to find another job like crazy stuff like that the universe is telling you something yeah and I wasn't hearing it I was too traumatized I was just holding on by a thread I was trying to do like the you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a super strong woman. You know, mm -hmm. I consider myself very strong. I'm a survivor. I'm very determined. And determination will only get you so far when you've got stuff on the inside that needs to be dealt with. And exactly. it's not life saying I'm not going to give you this until you deal with this. It's it's like the bigger asking that you're putting out mm -hmm. energetically, emotionally, whatever you want to call it, is I want to be better. Like what I was putting out was I want my freedom. I want mm -hmm. money. I want my freedom. I want to feel good about myself. And it was like, well, you're never going to get that working at this bar. So if that's what you want, I'm going to have this fall apart to keep trying to get you to get what you want, right? I always Absolutely. say that the universe always says yes, even when it seems like the universe is saying no or you can't have that. It's not that. It's that 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 fall apart, that thing that looks like it's not working, that working through that is what's going to get you to what you want. It is still a yes. Mm -hmm. But we have Absolutely. to be able to decipher that stuff and have the courage to walk into that vulnerability and do it and and I I kicked and screamed until until I had no choice and then I said okay I guess this is what I have to do and then it was like 
then stuff just started changing and I started to feel like myself and toxic people and relationships and all of that stuff started to fall away and new people started to show up with almost no effort at all. Just like I didn't put effort into my life falling apart. I didn't have to put effort into my life coming together. It was the Mm -hmm. stuff from the inside. That's good. That's good. Now we're going to take it even further back to your childhood and this sexual abuse. So let's hear about the story and how young were you when it started? So I, um, my earliest memory now, mm-hmm. um, I was about four. Now I had repressed it until I was about 19 or 20 and I still didn't know what to do with it. Uh-huh. I didn't know how to heal it. I didn't, I mean, I, there's a big, re- when you have, um, repressed abuse in any way, whether you don't remember it at all, or it's just like, it's, you've just kind of stuffed it. You know mm-hmm. what happened, but you've stuffed it and you don't go there. When you finally confront it, there's a big wave of relief. Like it's it's there's a reason why the slogan for sexual abuse is break the silence. Like when you finally like admit it to yourself and s- just confront it, even in the slightest bit, acknowledge it maybe is a better word. Um, you feel relief, but it doesn't change the subconscious beliefs and and feelings so I know there's a lot of information out there right now about change your beliefs you know do an affirmation for I am worthy Um, but there's feelings that are also beliefs and they have emotional ties and you can't just ignore that and do an I am worthy affirmation so things like I'm not good enough no one's ever going to love me. Those aren't just beliefs. Like those are in your whole entire, every, your subconscious is not just your mind. Your subconscious is your energy body and your mm-hmm. emotional body. And so those things are still sitting in there and they will continue to ricochet around your life, your relationships, your business, your finances, all of those things until you change them. So when I first confronted it, I thought, oh, I feel so much better. That's it. I did it. I did it. I worked on it. But all those repercussions played out and they weren't dealt with and they they had to be dealt with. Do you know who your abuser was? I do. Um, My grandfather. And right now, at this point, uh, when I had PTSD, I had some stuff come up around my dad. But my dad was an amazing, amazing man. He was wonderful to us. I mean, I had the dad who friends were like, I wish my dad was like your dad. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to believe. And there weren't any other people who came out and said, this happened to me too. So I don't know if it actually happened or not. But the point that I reached was that I had to heal both sides of it. I didn't actually have to know the answer. I -hmm. had to heal the guilt of what if it didn't happen and I said it did. Gotcha. And when you say that, are you saying you, the last memory you recall is four? Did anything happen after that? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, oh. it, it definitely happened with my grandfather, and there are other victims, and this is known. Oh, grandfather is not the only one. Right. Right. So, grandfather was a four to 10, and he died That's when a I long was time. like 12. Yeah. Well, paternal a long time, not that it paternal, not that um, 
it doesn't matter how many times it happened or didn't, but we lived in New York and he lived in Florida. So we only saw him about approximately five times. And but every time I saw him, it happened. So it wasn't like an everyday occurrence, um, mm-hmm. but it was every it, time you it went happened down there periodically from that age. Gotcha. And I'm assuming you did not tell anybody. I didn't know until I was 19 or 20. I literally did not know. So from four to 10, it was happening. And what happened after that? It was completely repressed. It was pressed repressed immediately after it happened. Like he would call oh. on the phone and I and I would feel uncomfortable talk like this was, you know, the eighties, aging myself mm-hmm. here, but and I would Girl, you know, we had the I'm long cords. You ain't that old. <laughs> I'm forty. <laughs> we both old together. Yeah. Well, we're not too far off, but I get you. Yeah. We yeah. girl, we young. Yep. <laughs> I, I love myself anyway. Age. I, sometimes I forget my age. I have to actually think about it. I'm like, wait, someone's like, how old are you? And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me think. Um, it really is just a number. Um, but so I remember being, he would call and we had those phones with the cords and mm-hmm. we had a really long cord and I felt uncomfortable talking to him in the kitchen where my parents were. And I would pull the phone around into my room to talk to him. And I always wondered why. I really, I had no idea he abused me. I thought like, what is wrong with me that I feel uncomfortable talking on the phone with him in front of anybody? Like what, where is, where the heck is that coming from? I had no idea, none at all until I was about 19 or 20. So you literally somehow just blocked it. Did you go to another place when the event was taking place? Because at 10 nine you 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 know you're old enough to understand what's going on and what is happening to you is wrong and it doesn't feel good and it shouldn't be happening did you just think of something else um I don't really um necessarily have an answer of what my mental state was like when you repress memories traumatic memories like that they don't just come back like oh I remember everything you get Mm -hmm. like literal snapshots like I remember I went through this flood of memories and Mm -hmm. the emotional memory and the visual memory aren't stored in the same place in the brain so Mm -hmm. I went through a period where I just had all these emotions come out where Mm -hmm. like I would be sitting in my kitchen and suddenly be terrified and I didn't realize until later when I really started studying this stuff and working, like really working on this stuff, um, I hadn't realized that that's what was going on at that time. So at the time, I didn't know that that's what was happening, but that was what was happening. And then fo- that was followed up by snapshots. And I would have to call my mother and be like, I'm having a memory of a fruit tree. Like I just saw a yard and trees that I knew fruit grew on. I didn't even know what kind of fruit. And she was like, that's your grandfather's house. You were only there once and you were literally there for 15 minutes. He like said he was taking you there to go pick something up and came right back to where we were. But he abused me in that time frame. Mm. So So it comes back in snippets. Yeah, yeah, you you don't decide just... to do it. It's not like at 10 years old, I said, you know what, I don't know what to do with this, so I'm going to stuff it. It is like someone who has a car accident and they don't remember anything mm-hmm. from the car accident. Like your your mind just shuts it off and completely puts it away where you can't even see it in, in order so you can survive. 
It is so you can survive. Like it is that it was so traumatic that the mind went, you know what? The only way we're going to stay alive is if this is not here. Yeah. We don't want to deal with this. So we're going to put it to the side and only let you see snippets of it at a time. And only when you chose for those snippets to come out. Well, actually, I always say um, I accidentally hypnotized myself. I mean, I don't know if that's what it is, but I had started getting into meditation and I was meditating one night and I must have opened something because those floodgates and it was like two weeks of emotional purge and then two weeks Mm -hmm. of visual memory. Interesting. I think it's when your mind feels safe feels like Uh you're in a safe enough atmosphere to handle it and deal with it, Mm -hmm. it will let it out. How has this affected your relationship? You said most people um, might be promiscuous, actual, after, you know, maybe uh, sexual harm or anything being done. You were a prude. Yes. So I I could have sex and I had boyfriends and I had relationships, but I was for lack of a better way of saying it, I was afraid of penises. So I didn't like want to touch them or give blowjobs or do any. So that's a problem. It caused problems in my So you were in a relationship and you didn't give anybody a blowjob? Yeah. That's correct. Mm. Uh, we were. I was talking about that on the other episode the other day, like you putting restrictions on shit. Now, so, what did the guy say? I'm I'm speechless because I'm actually speaking to a woman that actually was doing this. Well, should I use was? Has that changed or is that still Oh, that's on? definitely changed. <laughs> okay. So there was a point in time Rosemary was yes. not giving blowjobs. And right. I wasn't even giving How did your <laughs> You would not touch it at all, but you would allow right. vaginal penetration. Yes. I guess because you didn't have to see it being inserted. I I don't think it was a seeing thing. It was, again, it was like a block. Like, oh, we can't go near that because that thing Uh, is too close to this stuff that's repressed. Like, this was all subconscious. It's very important to point out that there is a huge difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The conscious mind is where we're having this conversation from right now. The conscious mind Mm -hmm. understands here and there and then and now. So Mm -hmm. in other words, I could sit here and make a list for the of that I oh I need to go grocery shopping let me make a list for the store and in my mind I'm picturing the grocery store and I'm writing down what I'm getting at the store according to the aisles that's here and there and now and then the subconscious mind does not function on any of that the subconscious mind is like a computer you put programs in and that program is happening now so mm. parents got divorced not, not mine I'm just giving examples parents got divorced and you had to take care of your younger sibling That's happening right now. Those programs of that experience are happening right now. Sexually abused, that's happening right now. So penis in front of me triggers, I'm being abused right now in my subconscious mind. My conscious mind is not thinking this or aware of this. Mm -hmm. Does that that make sense? Like it doesn't, you put the programs in. It's like, I always say when we're born into this planet, it's like, you know, I believe we're spiritual beings that, have amnesia we come in and we Mm -hmm. forget who we were at least for the most part some of us are open in different ways but Mm -hmm. and the the mind it's very like 
like an animal, like its job is to survive. So from the moment we're born, the subconscious mind is going, where the heck am I? And what do I need to know in order to survive, to, to sur literally to survive, to stay safe in this place? And it starts creating programs just like a computer, whether it's from your own experiences being sexually abused or things you witness, um, domestic abuse between your parents, parents getting divorced, things like that. Things, mm -hmm. so it's what you're experiencing, what you're seeing, what you're witnessing. Mm -hmm. And it's taking that stuff as data and creating programs in the mind of how to function in the world and what are the facts here. So we can grow up with facts of my emotions don't matter, I don't matter. Like when you're, when you're five years old and you're being sexually abused and your parents don't know you're being sexually abused, so they're not doing anything about it, you're five, you think your parents are superhuman. You think they should just know. They can see through walls or somehow you just think that they should know. But of mm -hmm. course, as adults, we know that they don't. But then that program goes in of, I don't matter. No one cares mm -hmm. about me. I'm not safe. No one's going to mm -hmm. take care of me. I'm on my own. I have to support myself and take care of myself and protect myself. These are all programs that go in. Gotcha. It makes and sense. And then these and programs play out. You're welcome. For breaking it down for the listeners. That way, you know, they understand what you mean by the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. So that makes sense of why you are acting that way. And you wouldn't give anybody a blowjob. And consciously, I was miserable because I knew there was this is part of why so many gifts I got from being a stripper. But um, <laughs> this is part of why it was so beautiful for me. And and it's not just me in our society has sexual retention like we're mm -hmm. we're screwed up. You know, we're not we're uh, we're not evolved. We think we're so advanced because we have these computers and phones and whatever. But we're really not, especially when it comes to emotion. And so. When I went into the club and I was in an atmosphere that was safe where I didn't have to give hand jobs or blow jobs and I could get in touch with my own sexual being because I knew there was a sexual me locked inside. It was like, what the hell is wrong with me that I do that I'm freaked out by this, that there's like a there's like an invisible wall here that won't let me go into that area. So when when I went into dancing, I got to find that in me. And it was that aspect of it was actually very healing. Interesting. So now it's starting to make sense why dancing gave you this. What's the word I'm looking for? It sparked a fire in you. Literally, you felt secure because for a long time in your life, Rosemary, you didn't feel secure for all those years. There was a piece of me that was locked inside. And it, it, it opened the door long enough for me to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that person existed in there. The problem was when everything fell apart and I left, I lost that mm -hmm. person again. However, I had had a taste for it and I knew that I had to have it. This is what drove me to become an entrepreneur. It was like, I, there's no way I'm doing nine to five. There's no way I'm working for other people. Like I work now in my business, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is a Tuesday night. I have fun with these calls. So this doesn't feel like work, but I don't work on Tuesdays. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's when I see clients. That's when I, that's when I work. And I carried that over, but also just having the courage to sit here and have this conversation with you, like this That's ability. Uh, yeah, it comes from 
me becoming determined when I got out of dancing of recreating what I experienced there without having to take my clothes off or do any of those things. So I became an entrepreneur. I stayed mm-hmm. determined in my business to like, how am I going to, you know, what what am I going to do to make money and have that freedom? And, you know, it's not just about the money. Of course, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands this. Nobody gets into coaching who doesn't want to help people. Of course, the abuse and my experience with that and my learning about the subconscious mind and then my understanding spirituality and forgiveness and all these layers of healing my subconscious mind. It was like, oh, my God, other people need this. So I, I definitely also wanted to help people. But that was also part of the freedom because helping mm-hmm. people doesn't feel like work unless you've got all that subconscious crap and then you're obsessed with marketing and it becomes numbers and how much am I making every month and what marketing am I doing? And 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 you become this kind of robot in your business when nobody starts out as an entrepreneur going, I really want to do marketing and I, I really want to just figure out how to do funnels and market myself. You know, everybody goes into it going, I want freedom. I want to help people. I want to feel good. I want to give to people by helping them, but I want to feel good myself because it feels good to help people. And I want freedom. And we get caught up. If we didn't, haven't done the deeper healing, we get caught up on this wheel of just bringing all the junk from Working nine to five, the corporate world, all of that stuff right into your business. So you're overworking, you're burned out, you're not feeling authentic, you know, you you aren't bringing your true self to your business, you're not trusting yourself, you're not believing that, you know, who the heck am I to imposter syndrome, who the heck am I to actually think I can help people, you're carrying all of that right into your business. And it, it just starts playing out there, which I did, <laughs> which I experienced, mm-hmm. and then was like, okay, What's the missing piece here? Because, okay, I get it, the hours, the schedule, the work for myself, but I'm not feeling like I was when I was a stripper. There's still something missing. So the question I have for you is, how the fuck did you get into dancing? Did somebody come into with their business card? Did you go into this club to have a drink? How did you go from waking up Monday through Friday, getting your ass ready to go to work, to... The next week, you are topless at a club. Okay. So somehow, um, I, I, I'm i going to say that it was something, and I don't believe in fate, like things are planned before, but I think it was some sort of energetic something or other, because as much as I was a prude, I was working years before I was working in strip clubs for real. I used to drive to my you know, my out of high school medical industry biz job and I drove past a strip club. And then I was like, oh, I I, I want I think I had decided I wanted to move back to New York. I was in Mass mm-hmm. my parents had moved to Massachusetts at this point. And I said, well, I'm going to make some extra money, so I'm going to cocktail waitress, and I'm going to go to this. And somebody I worked with was like, oh, it's like small town stuff. So she's like, oh, I know somebody. I know the manager who works there. I can get you a job there. And I went there, and let me tell you, I was like – so turned on and so like oh my god just seeing these girls on the stage with their shoes on like the energy in there and I always say I, I have tray phobia like I couldn't carry a tray I couldn't cocktail waitress I left there like I, I think I worked two shifts and I left <laughs> but that was burned in 
my mind. And I did a couple of amateur nights in Massachusetts where bottoms were off and I was like, there's there was there was no way I was doing it. And then I forgot about that, whatever, get another job, wind up moving to New York, lost my job. But in the meantime, this is crazy. In the meantime, the the place where I went to bring my dog to the dog park was around the corner from a go-go bar in Queens, New York. So it was Mm -hmm. girls in little booty shorts and sequined bathing suit, bra, top type of things. And I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do just to get some money for Christmas. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. Because I was out of work. Just to get some money for Christmas. Yep. (laughs) So I started working there and I found out from the girls there that New York had all these laws, that the bottoms don't come off and et cetera, et cetera. And then I made this decision that I'm going to get comfortable on these goddamn shoes <laughs> and comfortable in this place. And then I'm going into Manhattan and I'm working at the topless clubs where I can make some real money. And it just it just happened. Boomed from it's there. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm so, so grateful another, that it happened. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a it's a phenomenal experience in your life. So I, I have to say I'm a little envious because... I I couldn't do it. I've been to a strip club and the strip club that I went to, we were in Pennsylvania. I do not know what the rules are in Pennsylvania. There were no panties on, no bras on. These girls were nude. And I don't remember. There were bartenders there. So it was, we sat here, the bar, the bartenders and the bartender, the bartenders and the girls were like inside but they would walk around. So I don't know what the laws are in Pennsylvania, but I couldn't do it. Rosemary, I couldn't do it. You can't pay me enough money to walk around. Isn't it crazy how the girl who was a prude and couldn't go near penises somehow wound up being a stripper? Girl. Like it's it's all crazy. In a beautiful way though, you know what I mean? Like life is crazy. (laughs) But we have to appreciate this about people because here you are, can't even get a blow job, but you're stronger than me to be being a dancer me yeah i did a blow job no problem but you ain't paying me enough money to go dance for no goddamn body these men are grimy and i I want to touch them i really want to point this out because it's important for the for the bigger work like obviously we're not doing this podcast to say hey go be a stripper and hey i was a stripper and strippers Mm -hmm. are great this is about doing deeper healing and it's around oh, shame, yeah. right? I had shame and blocks to giving blowjobs and handjobs, but I, you have shame to, to being naked on stage. You know, like we all have it. We all, if we want to live full lives where we feel free, in, where, we're, where we're naked with our clothes on and if we want to give a blowjob, we can give a blowjob. If we don't, we can say no. If we want to get on a stage and be naked, we can. If we want to do a podcast and talk about, you know, really deep, vulnerable stuff, we can. That there's no walls up around us and that if we bump into a wall, we have the tools to move past it so that we can have what we want in life so that we can feel free so that we can, you know, my big thing is I work with mostly coaches and healers, but female entrepreneurs. And my whole thing is I want to help the people who are helping people because this is an awakening that's going on in the world, not just even with women. I I work with women, not men, because I understand women so well. But 
We, we want to get past that shame wherever it's showing up in our lives, whether it's in your business or in your sex life or in, when you walk past the mirror with self-loathing, when you see yourself naked by yourself in your room. Like mm-hmm. this stuff is going to play out in every area of life. If you're walking by the mirror self-loathing and going, oh, I'll deal with that later. My business is on the front burner and I can't deal. Guess what? That is playing out in your business whether you realize it or not. And we, we, we I think as a society we are calling for this deep we're tired of being shame ridden we are Mm -hmm. tired of hiding like yeah for me it was extreme hiding not even able to give a blowjob or a handjob and I was I was I call it paralyzingly shy. I had periods of really, really paralyzingly shy to going to the uh, complete opposite extreme where like um, I'm naked on a stage and like, where's the middle? Don't we all want to live in the middle where like we can say Mm -hmm. no when we mean no and yes when we mean yes. We're comfortable in our own skin. We can be unapologetically ourselves. We can do it in our business and in our relationship and we love ourselves and we trust life and we trust ourselves and we believe that we're worthy and that life wants to to give us what we want that's really what it's about and we we cannot get there unless we do the deeper work and i think as as a species we are asking we are calling to that that the internet coming and coaching becoming huge and people having podcasts like this and these conversations this didn't just manifest because we learned how to create computers and the internet this is here because we're asking for it on a subconscious level we want that we want to be free in every way Exactly. You're absolutely right. And this is the reason behind Fun Palais Podcast is for people to come on, share their story comfortably and putting yourself in a vulnerable position because it it takes extreme work, strength, comfort to be able to talk about shit that most people will immediately like, that's fucking private. I'm not going to discuss that. What the fuck? Seriously. Like I get you so tired, done Rosemary, of hearing that goddamn fucking word. Yeah, we all know some shit are fucking private. But if I choose to want to share my story to uplift someone, to help someone, there's no fucking wrong in that. You keep your private shit over there because most of the time the private people are the ones listening to the podcast like this of the ones who are courageous enough to speak the fuck out. Yes. And you know what the crazy thing is? When you you know when you've actually really worked on your shit and gotten past it, when it doesn't take any it does not take any courage for me to have this conversation. This is so much fun for me. Like this is this is you know, I this is what I do for work. I take women to these places and they go to these deep places and it's like I'm the first person in their life who could hold space for that because I'm not freaked out by it. And when you can hold space for someone to go into their vulnerability so that they can safely go in there, that's where and how healing happens. That's the only way healing happens. Believe me, I tried to heal in a vacuum, not talking to anyone, doing it in my head, Mm. reading all the self-help books. It doesn't work. You need someone to receive what you're saying and hold space for you so that you can start to learn how to hold space for yourself. Because guess what? The generations that raised us, they didn't know how to hold space. It wasn't their fault. And it's not... 
it's not a put down to say if it's still taking courage or you're afraid to talk about it, then, you know, there's something wrong with you. No, it's that that's a sign for you to know, hey, wait a minute, there's another level of comfort that I can get to and that all Mm -hmm. I have to do is have the courage and find the right person to help me go there within myself. And then I don't have to live in that place where I'm afraid anymore or where I'm not comfortable or I have shame or whatever it is that's keeping you from feeling comfortable talking about the things. You know, it's just those levels of self-love and loving yourself enough to go, you know, I, I, I don't want to feel this. And you may still never talk about it because it's just not something that, like, mm-hmm. for me, it's a career. For you, it's a career. It's a podcast. It's a thing. This is our thing, right? This is what lights us up. <laughs> but for some people, it might not be what lights you up. But you also might just want to be in a place where you still aren't afraid to talk about it. Like, yeah. you know, and then that's just that's that's your your body, your inner feedback system, your higher self, your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it is giving you feedback of there's some work to be done there. And then Mm -hmm. that's all. It's always an invitation. It's not a force. It's not, you know, you have to do this. It's what are you going to do with that invitation? Are you going to say, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to overwork. I don't want to try to prove myself by making a hundred thousand, a hundred K a month. You know, it's so in the coaching industry. It's such a everything's the K, (laughs) you know, or like. You know, you don't you don't want to to move from that place anymore. You don't want to be burned out. You don't want to be trying to prove yourself to yourself by how much you're doing and what you're doing. If you want to just get to that place where you feel good inside yourself in all different atmospheres in your life, then you just make the decision that, okay, I'm going to find a way to do this work. Exactly. Going to find a way to do this work. I have a question for you, which might be on the funny side. So is there promoting in the dance world? What levels do you go up to? And I ask that because like, so if you're a dancer, do you move up to escort life? Is escort seen as higher? Or do you go into the phone sex industry? Or is it pornography is like at the very top and that's considered that's where you want to be in doing videos? I think... And in my experience, those are all completely different industries and they don't overlap. What? Like I didn't completely know different? I didn't know any strippers who were also escorts like like m- most of the strippers the reason they're strippers and not escorts is because they don't want to have sex with you. <laughs> they don't want to be a prostitute. Oh. They want to make money, but they don't that's crossing a line. Now I will so, say there were these things were going on in the strip club. Uh-huh. However, oh, I, I I know there I, were it was the clean girls quote I'm doing air quotes and the dirty <laughs> girls and there were different rooms and and it, it technically wasn't legal. God, I'm sorry. I hope I don't get any of the tr- clubs in trouble. But um, at least at the club that I worked at, there were these upstairs. Everybody could go in the private rooms. I would go in. I'd get a thousand dollars to go in a. You'd have to pay a thousand dollars to go in a private room with me. We'd get a, a bottle of champagne or two rounds of drinks and an hour in a private room with me, where you weren't you you weren't getting any sex at all. <laughs> um, and and they paid it. Was um, the bodyguard in there? They were out outside the door like it was like 
a room of cubicles. And the thing with uh. the Wall Street guys was one of the cubicles at the back of one of the rooms with the cubicles, the cubicle, the door between the cubicles opened. So you could have like five guys in there and five girls. And we're just doing shots. Your dress isn't even coming off. You're not even topless in there. You know what I mean? Because they're just, they're just out it's blowing just money because they just made a $5 million deal. You know what I mean? Like, Gotcha. And it's your company, Rosemary. That's what is bringing them joy. Yes, right. It's just the scene, the atmosphere. It's that whole mm -hmm. atmosphere of just like, yeah, yeah, we're the cool Wall Street guys snorting our blow and, you know, hanging out with strippers, you know, and it was fun. They were having fun. We were having fun. And and you could there was the girls for them. You'd have the girl here and there that you didn't like or didn't get. But for the most part, the girls were so awesome with each other. Like you'd go in a room or like say you're with a guy and he's you're sitting at the tables with a guy and he's got another a client with him and so it's two guys and just you and your guys like you get them you you want to go into the room blah 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 and it's like well why don't you bring your friend and i'll get one of my friends so you would sell the room for bring another girl or you could go in there with one guy and be like I really like this other girl in the club. Will you bring her in here with us? So now she's making the money and she and you're not even dancing for the guy. Now you're just dancing with each other and you have boundaries with each other. So it's like it's even easier when you have one of your girlfriends who's in the room with you because now the guy is just watching and you girls are just like, you know, acting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so this is how the twenty five hundred to five thousand a night sometimes add up with yes. all these things. Yes. Okay, you go gotcha. in there for an hour. Yep. And the club would, now, I think the club got 500 and you got 500. You were in there for an hour. And, and oftentimes you could talk the guy for staying. I mean, there were nights at, this was the heyday. God, I wish it was, I don't know why I wish because I wouldn't be there. But I wish it was still like this. <laughs> where I'd be in a champagne room with a guy on like my fourth hour with him. And I'd walk out of the champagne room to walk to the bathroom. And guys would be sitting at the table going, hey, wait, do you want to go in the champagne room with me? And be like, sorry, dude, I can't. I'm, I'm, in, I'm already in there with another guy. I'm, we're on like the fourth hour, so he's probably going to do another hour. Sorry. Like, that's how crazy it was. Yeah. That was crazy. And now, there would be like 100 girls at the club. You said 100, 100 dancers. Yeah. Wait, we'll touch that. You said that industry, everything is different. And escorts yes. are sleeping with people. So is escort a luxury name for prostitutes? My understanding, I've never worked in the industry, but yes, that's my understanding. There may, I don't okay. want to insult anybody who's out there though. Like I haven't okay. worked in the industry. I don't know. There might be, I'm sure there are different levels. Like you could just be an escort to someone because, you know, they see you as a beautiful woman and they have to go to some work function and they want candy on their arm. You know what I mean? I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. Gotcha. I can only talk about Yeah. What I and do that know. title <laughs> means escort. Okay. So you're saying, there could be a hundred women at the strip club that's just a dancers lot of girls. women are not allowed in strip clubs without unless they're with a man um and oh, the I reason for that. that is otherwise a bunch of girls could go in and distract the guys and then the strippers aren't making any money because there's just a bunch of girls there hanging out with these guys so you cannot go into a strip club as a female unless you're with a man i never knew that shit I thought you anybody That's to could protect just walk the girls' into income. Yeah, no. Wow. I thought anybody yeah. could just walk into a club. No. Oh, look at this. Girl. <laughs> the fuck? I've never thought about all these shit, these little rules. I'm still like 
thinking about this 4060 thing. I'm going to go Google that, see what the New Jersey requirement is. Oh, are you in New Jersey? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so look up. Um, I know. I think one of the classiest at this point, the club I was at took a nosedive. It's horrible. I was in there like five years ago. Oh, it's not ago. there anymore? Just, just as a, just, just as a, well, I used to work there so I could go in as a customer. Oh, um, you mean it's still no, it's in still, existence. It's still there, but it, the quality is terrible. Girls are like, like what we weren't, you had to have one foot on so many rules, one foot on the floor at all times. So you could not like straddle a guy. Um, you were not allowed to sit on their crotch. You were not allowed to like shake your butt and rub their crotch. And now they're doing all of that. Like they're doing, they're doing stuff on the floor, $20 lap dances that I wasn't doing in the champagne room for a thousand dollars. So it, it went down dollars. Okay, so things have changed One drastically. Song, $20. Oh, is it more for a lap dance now? I don't know. You tell me. Oh. Oh, I don't oh, know. I haven't I have been no in the club idea. in a long time. But at that time it was $20 for one song and the songs are timed by the G DJ. They're 3 minutes long. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So $20 oh, for 3 gosh. minutes. This is a major education for me, but this is good because I need to know this. I always have questions in my head about all this. So now it's interesting. You said you only work Monday, Wednesday, and for uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So you kept that same schedule. I didn't, and yeah, it took me a while to get there. I got to tell you, it took a while. It took. Okay. I had to work a lot on. Oh boy. Um, believing beliefs that I was carrying in my subconscious mind that. I didn't deserve to make money unless I was working hard for it. Mm. So even though I had this six-year experience of the complete opposite, it didn't change the subconscious beliefs. You have to go in there and change that. Yeah, you, you do. have to go you in have there to go and in there, it. reprogram your mind. Yeah, and then fears, like fears of this isn't going to work if I don't, if I'm not, you know, hustling at it every day. And that's another like big thing that's being pushed in the coaching world of like. You got to hustle, 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 push. You want something? Just do it. Just do it. Just push. And like, that's all your sub that the people who are teaching that that's their subconscious beliefs. You don't I actually work less now and make more money than I have in the past when I was work in coaching, just coaching. Mm -hmm. Um then in the past, when you actually step back and you work on those fears of like, if I'm not hustling all the time, I'm not going to get the clients or I'm not going to. It has nothing to do with that. When you get into, I'm going to bring it back to this, that magnetic, it's, it is the same as sexual energy, but obviously I'm not bringing sexual energy into my coaching. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But in mm -hmm. myself, when you're in that creative space, when you trust yourself, when you believe, really believe on the deepest of levels, the subconscious levels, that you have something special to offer, that you're meant to do, to do this. And most coaches believe this in the conscious mind. It's like, yes, I feel called to do this. Yes, yes, yes. But then there's this like secondary guilty conscience voice that's the subconscious that's like well can I really or it's going to be hard mm -hmm. or you know who who am I like I had a who am I I'm not a therapist I'm not a therapist and I do this deep work with people and it's like well who who do I think I am that's my mother's voice that was in my head who do you who do you think you are like I could mm -hmm. always one of my gifts is that I can see people's subconscious just by them speaking. So a lot of times I'll say to my clients, what's going on? Just bitch. I'll say, just bitch, complain to me. And they'll talk about the surface level thing. Oh, this with my husband, this with my boyfriend, this with my job. But I hear 
their subconscious beliefs. Not just what they're saying. I hear the emotional stuff that's coming, those feelings that are playing out behind that. And we pull that out and we work on that stuff. You need to be getting to that stuff and working it out because otherwise you're just running around that hamster wheel in your head going, well, do I need to work harder or don't I need to work harder or do, am I self-sabotaging? I roll my eyes at self-sabotage because it's not, that's self-blame saying, oh, I'm self-sabotaging is self-blame. You know, so I had all of that stuff myself and it was like, I had to go in there and remove that stuff. And when you start to remove that stuff, and this is when I really understood like the connection between the stripper energy and the energy in my non-stripper life because Mm -hmm. when you start to clear that stuff and you and you and we never work on confidence we work on the deeper stuff and then my clients are like oh I did this that I was never confident enough to do before oh I stuck up for myself here I said this or I did this and I didn't even think about it and that was something that used to freak me out I can't believe that happened and it's like yeah because we worked on the fact that you don't love yourself and you don't trust yourself and confidence is the lack of confidence is coming from that Mm -hmm. so so when you start to release those layers, that confidence, that creativity, that trust in your own genius, that trust in that you have something to offer, it just starts, your it, your libido starts to go up when you're, when you're feeling that. And that's what magnetizes clients or relationships or friends, or it will repel the people you don't and the things you don't want in your life and attract the things that you do want in your life. So now you don't have to work so hard, right? Now you don't have to hustle. Now you can work less at anything. It doesn't mean there are never bumps in the road, right? We're not talking rainbows and butterflies and getting to a place where you never experience. But it's like, if a bump in the road comes up, it becomes what's life trying to tell me here? What direction does life want to point me in here? you know, this is a, this is a conversation I'm having with life. This is not punishment. And then the stuff starts to dissolve and you don't have to work hard and everything gets easier and you feel good inside. Like you're not tormented by that inner voice that's either pressuring you to do more or questioning you on things. Like you just, you reach this place where you just, you can, you're comfortable and content in yourself. And then you, you bring that into your life and you know, relationships take work, whether they're platonic or romantic or whatever, relationships take work, but it's not, everybody's trauma isn't being triggered when you've done this work. So a, a fight over something or a disagreement over something is just that instead of everybody's trauma is ricocheting around the room and now everybody's a mess. Exactly. Now, let me ask you, what is one thing in your life that is significant that made you go into this industry? Why did you choose this path out of all the things? Granted, I understand you don't want to do a nine to five. We see that, you know, that you dabbled into dancing. And after that, you, you know, definitely worked on picking yourself back up. Why coaching? Even though I know Um, you did say you love helping others, but what's your underlying why? My underlying why is... The same underlying why that everybody has. I want to give to other people what wasn't given to me. Mm. 
You know, I want to be that safe space for people to come. I want to be the person who, and I have people in my life now who can do this, but for a very long time, I did not. People who could hold space for my emotions and who Mm -hmm. weren't freaked out by my emotions and who weren't blaming me for my emotions and could hold that space. And my clients can, they feel that and they know that. It's, It's almost like they get the mother energy that none of us got when we were kids and that's and I think for most coaches who are doing any sort of um, emotional work with people, I think that's what it is. We want to give to people what wasn't given to us, and it 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 is satisfying in a way that can't even be put into words because it's like I'm putting into the world what didn't exist before because it wasn't existing for me and I wasn't finding it and I'm creating this thing and creating this safe space and it's better than being on a strip club this is the getting naked without taking your clothes off like it's better than than stripping right it's better than those things it's like I don't know it's spiritual and it's It's like why if we all come from one source somehow up there spiritually, this is the reason why we we come here and then we're separate, but we Mm -hmm. can make these incredible connections because we're separate. Exactly. Exactly. Connecting with other people. um, It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. You don't always, I do feel that, are you going to always connect with everyone and everybody? No, but you attract those that you need to attract that are good for you. And you You good for them. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Rosemary, we're a perfect, I have to point out that we're a perfect example of this because (laughs) we don't, just so everybody knows, we don't know each other. (laughs) Like we're doing this podcast together and the energy is amazing. (laughs) And this is just, this is what I mean. Like this is what, this is the kind of stuff that we're attracting into our lives because we're in alignment with ourselves. Not, you know, know, let me try to force myself to be aligned with money or those people. It's get aligned with yourself and the rest of the shit's going to straighten itself out. Girl, let me tell you, energy levels are like real because I don't know any of my guests personally. We're not like good tight fucking friends and we're talking to each other every day on the phone. But the energy people get from me like promoting my podcast and requesting guests and people to come on the show they are going to gravitate towards that energy. It's so hard for me to put in words because people are like, what the hell are you talking about, Shirley? But <sighs> what you can feel on this podcast right now is what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that good example. She that's said, yep, us, that's what you, know? you like, what's gravitating you to be like, I'm going to listen to Fun Palais podcast. It's the same thing as my guest, you know, because we all know there's millions and zillions of podcasts out there, but you're not interested in all of them. That's no. just the fucking reality of it. I was just going to say that too. You know why we can connect like this? Because we are two people 
who can hold space. It's not just me talking as a coach. Oh, I can hold. You're doing it right now. You are holding space. You're you're, you're digging in deeper to the vulnerable stuff. You're asking the questions because you have clearly done deeper work yourself. And so Mm -hmm. you're not you're not uncomfortable by my story. You're not uncomfortable by these emotional things. So you are creating that same space in a different format that I am Mm -hmm. creating where you're holding space for people to get real with themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do have one question for you. Do you have any special project that you have done or plan on doing in the future of working with strippers, dancers when they retire? Um, Anything that you thought of? I hadn't thought about that, but hold that for a minute. <laughs> so I take pole dancing classes now. Like I mentioned, there were no poles in the clubs. Mm-hmm. I was never on a pole at the strip club. So I, I take pole dancing classes. And there's this kind of sub- dancing thing in the pole dancing workout world of pole dancing called Mm -hmm. liquid motion and it is the floor work that that you do around the pole and it's actually and now remember i'm also a certified yoga teacher and my first day in class for liquid motion she said well the way that i would describe liquid motion is if yoga had a slutty sister, that would be liquid motion. And I had all this time since I closed my yoga studio, I don't want to teach yoga classes on the regular. I don't want to teach yoga teacher trainings. But at some point, I have always planned on rolling yoga retreats back into my business as like something I do twice a year, maybe with graduates, maybe with people who haven't worked with me, maybe both, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and that first class, when she said that, and I took the class, and I felt how there was alignment, and you know, you're not just rolling around like a stripper, like it, you're, it's like choreographed dancing, but it is all about getting, you're touching yourself, you're get, you're moving your hips, you're moving, you're, you're getting in touch with your sensual and sexuality, and how beautiful does that go with the work that I do? So I'm thinking that I'm going to switch from doing yoga retreats to getting certified in liquid motion and doing retreats for women to get in touch with their creative, sensual, sexual, successful energy by getting in touch with themselves and use the liquid motion instead of yoga. I like that idea. That's a great idea because women are very um, protected sexually. And I do believe that we're told this as little girls growing up um, of how cross we your need legs to be cross your legs. We're told by society of how we need to be. And I remember a guy telling me until this day, I love saying it. He says it is he said, you have such a pretty smile until you opened your mouth because I am one that do like to fucking cuss every fucking now and then. And once I Woo-hoo. opened my goddamn mouth, This guy said, until you opened your mouth. And my response to him is, mind your fucking business. Mind your fucking (laughs) business. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Like, who the fuck are you? And I said, just like that, continued to curse. You know, I don't know if it's me being in the military because I don't curse at my kids. It's interesting. I was with my son the other day and the little boy had the audacity to say, mommy, why don't you curse? (laughs) 
<laughs> I was laughing on the inside. I said, your mom does curse. I curse at adults. I just don't curse at children or towards children. When I talk to children, I don't curse to children. But I curse at adults. When they need a good little cussing, fucking shit is a good word, word to use. They're powerful. They're descriptive words that show emotion. They're powerful. You know, they're just, I think they're very expressive. They're like art. It's like art. Like what what color are you painting? And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of curse words. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's, again, the world, because, you know, we all feed off of each other that allowed us to believe this word is bad and you shouldn't say it. And if you say it, you're a lower person in life. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And There's women no are supposed to be quite like if you really think about it, like it's and this should help some of the people in the audience understand the subconscious mind if and, and ancestral how things are passed down. It wasn't that long ago where women didn't do anything but have babies and get dressed up when they went to balls. I'm not even talking about like the sixth. I'm talking about way farther back, even like the mm -hmm. 1920s and before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they they weren't their job was only to look pretty and have babies. And that it's not, you know, we people talk about how things get passed down ancestrally and it can seem sort of abstract. But the way it gets passed down is you're observing, OK, your grand your grandmother, your great, great, great grandmother lived like that. And then your mm -hmm. great, great grandmother watched that. And then your great grandmother watched her. And like it's it's. That behavior gets passed down, that way of being. Nobody's doing it on purpose. We're just mimicking what we saw, experienced, whatever. In childhood, that's what got programmed in. So, yeah, we have to consciously go in and say, you know what? I want to own my section. And just, again, it doesn't mean you have to be out there doing pole dance classes or liquid motion, but so that you're comfortable and that you're being satisfied with your sex life, that it's whatever it is that you want from your sex life, from your life, that you're getting that mm -hmm. and that you're able to open your mouth and speak in your business with confidence, that you're able Absolutely. to hold yourself internally and externally in a place of, I know what I'm talking, I know what the fuck I'm talking about and I'm gifted and no, I'm not the right person for everyone, right? I'm, you're not the right host for every guest and I'm not the right coach for every client, but the, you'll, you know, if you're, if you're open to doing the work and finding the right people, then they will show up and you will find the person who's right for you and who can help you get to where you want to be for yourself. One thing I wanted to ask you is before we go today, what is your motivational message to women who have been through number one sexual abuse, two motivational messages, and also to the nasty human beings out there who has something to say about women who are in the sex industry? Is that the appropriate word to call it? The sex industry? Or is there another I would, word I for it? I would say. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, so people who have dealt with the sexual abuse um, or any kind of, I just want to clarify very quickly, you don't have to have been sexually abused to feel trapped inside and to experience and relate to a lot of what I've talked about. Um, like I said, your parents could have gotten divorced or you could have had a narcissistic parent or an, an emotionally unavailable parent all of these things are we start to hide those pieces of us that are not being 
acknowledged by our parents. So I, I first want to make that very clear. So whether it was sexual abuse or something else that you experienced, what I would say is that place inside that is longing or even desperate to come out that you feel like is missing. Like I hear a lot from women of like, um, ever since I was a teenager, I feel like some piece of me is missing. There's something missing. There's something, there's some part of me that I can't reach. You can reach it and it is possible. You do have to do the deeper work. You have to be willing to do the deeper work, but you can get that. You can have that. You can live from that place of that thing. You're not crazy. It's there and it's calling to you and you and and you're longing for it and you can have it i don't like i said i had complex ptsd i was homeless i was sexually abused like i experienced all this stuff and if i can do it you can do it mm -hmm. and for the people who have something bad to say about the sex industry my honest answer is you do you like that's not my problem, <laughs> you know. Like I love if how you simple have a problem, you kept it. if you're okay with having a problem with it, then have a problem with it. And if you're not okay with having a problem with it, then I invite you to um, take a deeper look at why you're uncomfortable with that. And yeah. otherwise, I it's not really. Yeah, you do you. I don't. I don't really care. I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I'm not. I don't have shame. And to be honest with you. Um, over the, you know, naturally when I was doing it, thank God cell phones didn't exist then. So there are, there's no evidence. Um, but I didn't tell a lot of people. And, and as I started sort of, quote, coming out of the closet with, I've never gotten a bad reaction from anybody. I've had gotten reactions like what you said, like, holy cow, I'm intrigued. And I've, I've heard bad things. And, you know, even people, even someone recently said, ooh, 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 that's making me a little uncomfortable, but I know that's my stuff, you know? Like, these are the people I'm surrounded by, even when I'm meeting people for the first time, because I've done the deeper work, right? Um, I've never had anyone go, oh, my God, you slut. Oh, my God. That's like, I've never experienced that. Okay. Very good. Well, that's good to hear. But I've, you know, being in the sex industry, you don't always hear positive feedback. And I'm, you know, I guess they won't say it to your face. I don't know where they're saying it, but I've heard people just be extremely nasty to those in that industry. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't have anything nasty to say. I'm very intrigued by it. I told you, Rosemary, I'm envious of those women, envious of you. I could never do it. I, I couldn't. I could never do it. Now, could I be on the back end? Maybe, you know, uh, shooting the video, interviewing the people in the sex industry? Hell yeah, asking them all types of questions. But actually doing that? I can't. I can't. And and the, and and that's great. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything, you know, to each their own, everything isn't yeah. for everyone. I will say that I think in general, women are wanting to get in touch with that part of themselves. Even there's a reason why pole dancing is becoming more and more and more popular. And what's interesting is, like I said, the woman who runs the studio that I go to, she is also an ex stripper. And we had this amazing conversation about how awesome it was. And like, I'm used my all my friends know I loved it. Like, they all know they've, you know, but I think she felt really good to have like another ex stripper who's like in their 40s, mm -hmm. who's like talking about about like I could see I could see it in her body language that she was like, oh, my God, you get it. You actually get it that like I'm not ashamed of this. This was this wonderful thing. So I think 
the world, another invitation that's out there is that the world, we women, we want to be in touch with our sexuality. You know, we don't, we don't want to be faking orgasms and pretending in, in bed and having it be all about him or having to pretend to try to be a porn star in bed because that's what you're supposed to be. We want to be in our bodies and experiencing it and getting what we want and being there for both of us, not just to be your entertainment. You know what I mean? And it, it ties in, like I said, it it connects to the creative energy and the successful energy. So it ties into all of it, your business, your platonic relationships, like how confident are you? How jealous are you? How, you know, catty are you with other women? Like all of that stuff, like, you know, how, how, how much do you love yourself? You know, are you the woman who's walking into a room and other women are going, holy shit, I want what she's got. Like yeah. she's confident and she doesn't even know she's so confident. She's not even thinking about whether she's confident or not. Like that shit is radiant. Yeah. You want to have orgasms and everything yeah. in life. Yes. Yes. And be naked with your clothes <laughs> on. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Rosemary, it was absolutely awesome talking to you. I mean, a breath, breath of fresh air. And, you know, guys, I didn't realize until we met today right before we started this, that she was a dancer. And I was like, I know she could see my eyes open up. I was like, oh, I'm excited. Because I was thinking like, I need to find someone who's been in the industry. I don't know if anybody's gonna be comfortable talking about it. And look who we have, Madame Rosemarie. <laughs> The magic of life. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And this was this was wonderful. Like the, I I had so much fun. Like this is awesome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you being a guest. And as always, listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. And remember to love yourself, voice yourself, and be yourself to the next podcast. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in to Fumpale Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week.